This is the Daddy Saturday Podcast. All right, hey everyone, welcome to the Daddy Saturday Podcast. It is such a great pleasure to be here with you during the great quarantine of 2020, and I've got a very special guest with me today. Uh, you can see him on the screen, and I'll give you a bit of background. This guy is un. Believable. He has been someone that I followed uh, vicariously as kind of a digital mentor and a written mentor from all of his books for years. Then I got a chance to meet him and actually be in a, a mastermind with Jack. And I just learned so much. He's one of those people that he's larger than life when you don't know him and then you actually meet him and he's even bigger uh, in real life. And he goes by the claim of, of BAM and making it bigger. And Jack definitely does that. He has done that in his career in business as an executive, as a CEO, leading many companies for years. He's done that as an Ironman and a marathoner. Jack has set all sorts of records and broken many of the barriers down, not only in business, but in life. And he's just a, an amazing guy. Jack, I'm so glad to have you on the show. Thanks for being here. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Justin, it's a thrill for me because the lane that you are playing in uh, that has to do with the closeness of family and being a great dad is just a lane that isn't occupied by enough people. And so uh, I'm just thrilled to be here and contribute in any way that I can. Well, thanks, Jack. I appreciate that. And you know, speaking of which, you have two children of your own. So you're a father and you're also a grandfather now. So you've had the chance to play both of those roles. Tell us a little bit about your family, if you would. Yeah, so, uh, you know, when you th think about my kids, they're probably both older than you are. But so I, I have a daughter that's 48 years old and a son that's 41, Melissa and Adam, and they each have two grandchildren of mine on each coast. And so I've got a, an 11 year old, an eight year old, a seven year old, and a one year old baby girl, my first baby girl, baby Lucy Bonnie Daly. I was married for 47 years to my wife, Bonnie who I lost a couple of years ago to pancreatic cancer. I met her when I was 16 years old. And so I'm still pushing my way through that. But uh, the good news is I found a woman in my life that I was not searching for. And it happened to be somebody that I'm very, very familiar with that Bonnie and I used to go out on a date with. I'm, uh, I'm thrilled with that part of my life right now. And as you say, the grandkids are the treasure. You know, it was fun to have kids, but the grandkids are really, really special because what I couldn't afford to do financially with my kids because I was young and just trying to put food on the table and a roof over their head. As a grandpa, I've got discretionary funds and I just love showering them with all kinds of surprises, attention and gifts. Oh, and I know that you do, Jack. Uh, what a great role. So do they call you something special, your grandkids? Yes, it's a one word thing. It's called Grandpa Jack. Um, <laughs> Not three words. It's not two words. It's one word. Grandpa Jack. <laughs> Great. Oh, I love it. Well, you mentioned that role of the provider, right? And I think that's something that a lot of young fathers struggle with is they're trying to make it in their career, trying to do the balance between work and home and manage that. And they get so focused on being the provider that sometimes you miss out on some of those other components of the role of being a father. Talk to me a little bit about that. You've, you've obviously been on both sides of that coin and have perspective on that now. Yeah, and I can add some real flavor to it as well. Some of your followers may uh, cringe at the following statement, but in the 47 years that I was married, I was married to a saint and Bonnie and I and the family moved 27 homes in 47 years. And still that nucleus of family was important. The only promise that we made to our two children was whatever high school you start in, we'll make sure that you finish in that. 
because I think that four years is a year all the way through our adulthood. We think about that and treasure that. But we wanted them to understand the experiences of meeting new people and seeing new places and all of those types of things that go with it. That was important to us. So when you ask the question about you know, the challenges of time and where you place it and how you get around that. You've been with in a very close mastermind network, as you mentioned, for a year or so. And so one of the things that, you know, you heard in that session was 168. And so we all are dealt the same hand every week. It's 168 hours. And what we have to do is we need to just sit down and figure out how we're going to best utilize that 168. And some of it, we don't have a choice on right? So we need to sleep. We know we need to sleep. The doctors tell us we ought to sleep eight hours. And so if you take seven days there, you just whacked 56 hours right out of your 168. You're almost down to 100 hours, but we've got to eat as well. And so we start going through the things that we need to do. And as you said, we got to put food on the table and a head roof over our head. We can strategically and by design decide how many hours of that week, of that 168, we're going to allocate to our family and to our children and to our significant other. And literally, I'm a planner and I am meticulous in my planning and I have been doing it since I was 13 years old and I have been following the process uh, after learning from 200 successful business owners how they came to be successful and in doing that, build a system, follow the system and doing it. I'm 71 years old now and I'm still following that process and it works. Allocating the time and then making sure that I fulfill on the allocation. So Jack, that's such an important concept too, because so many times we take what we do in business and we don't ever translate it back to our family, or our personal lives. So the concept of time blocking and being organized and scheduling, we may do that in our business or we put meetings on the calendar, but how often do we actually put our family activities on the calendar and then treat them the same as we would any important business meeting? Last part is the key, that they're not to be uh, overridden, you know, by the fact that you've got extra work that day or that night. You know, one of the things I found is years and years ago, I used to be a religious reader of three newspapers a day and I was addicted to it. I decided that we were going to go on a cruise for a week. And when I left the terminal of the cruise ship, I decided I would not plug into the news and not read a newspaper for an entire week. And when I got off the ship and went to the terminal and grabbed my newspaper, I looked through it and pretty much nothing had changed. The news was the same. And so that was a whole week, 168 hours of time and pretty much stayed the same. And so, you know what, the business, it, you'll get around to it. You just don't want to skip the family. And it's so easy to skip the family when you are trying to be supportive in some way financially and being the provider. So Jack, you also, outside of the business world, transitioning to the personal space a little bit, you are a very accomplished marathoner and triathlete. In fact, you've done all 50 states and all seven continents of marathon and all of those, correct? Which is a very prestigious club to be in and something that's unbelievable. And I know when you told the story of, of running the Great Wall of China, it was just a grueling and excruciating experience and very challenging and difficult. But yet you overcame that and and you achieved your much larger goal. And now in the recent past, you had a, a leg injury and you've had to recover from that and it set you off your goals and you've had to come back from it. So a lot of Americans, a lot of my listeners are dealing with the same thing right now, right? They've had obstacles put in their way. We're in sort of a form of a crisis. They've got adversity in front of them. So what are some of Jack's top 
tips and ways that you've overcome adversity or crisis in your life? Yeah, that's a really, really good question. And the Great Wall was a ton of fun. I wouldn't want to dissuade anybody from taking it on. It was a lot of fun, uh, particularly for the first 20 miles. (laughs) (laughs) But at the 20 mile mark, you have to go back up onto the wall and deal with the severity of the climb. And you're already legs spent at 20. And so that was something that I hadn't trained for, hadn't been experienced at before. I'm a nine-minute mile type guy. And there were two miles on the last six that each of them took me about an hour. And, you know, I was literally crawling on hands and knees one step at a time and dizzy and feeling nauseated and all those things and was wondering, you know, is this worth it? Should I just turn around? And, And so it was all about... Focusing on that which I have control of, and that's a big takeaway here. Where are the controllables, right? And then pulling the levers on the controllables. So one of the things that I had as a controllable was that I had an extensive lead over the mandatory finish time. And so I had a lot of cushion, which meant that if I wanted to sit on the step of a great wall and take 10 minutes... I could do that, and I could climb 10 more steps and take another 10 minutes if I needed that because I had built up this cushion. Those were all in the control of me. If I wanted to sit for 30 minutes, I could control that, deal with that, and regroup. I can tell you that the last three miles of the Great Wall, my 24, 25, and 26 miles, they were all done at an average of about 12 to 13 minutes after stumbling for over an hour for two miles at mile 21 and 22. So it was filling back my tank and getting my energy back and putting some supplements in that enabled me to regroup and go. I'm in the process of writing my 11th book. And part of the decision to write it this year was the fact that I uh, was injured on December 5. I slipped on a step and I severed my quad tendon. And so an awful lot of what I had put on my plans to do this year got thrown out that day because December 20th was surgery and then a brace and all those types of things. And you can just imagine how how restrictive that is for a guy that loves to run as much as I have 95 marathons, 15 Ironmans, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, you're climbing the walls. And so as I'm easing into the recovery, then we have the coronavirus. And everybody's hunkered down in the house. And I'm like, hey, wait a minute. I've been hunkered down in the house for four months. Please speak, right? But what am I going to do? And so what I decided was the book I was going to write next year, I'll write this year. And the book is called, well, the working title. We don't know what it'll end up being, but Life by Design, right? We sit down, as you said earlier, and we, we do business plans and we do financial plans for our business. We have regimentation and we have discipline and all those types of things. And I would submit to the people that were following you here is that we could do exact same thing in our personal lives. We can actually sit down and design our personal life. I've been doing it since I was 13 years old. Now, what I would tell you, though, is that even though you've designed a certain life, uh, life happens. (laughs) And life happens means that there are external things that cause that plan to just go awry. And so I was going to be in Napa Valley for New Year's Eve and spend five days with a new woman in my life, Karen. I also was going to the Grand Canyon and doing the rim this year. I was also taking Karen to Cabo San Lucas. And I had all of these things all scheduled. And that went out the window. 
But if you were to look at my redesign of my life in the new environment with the fact that I don't have the full power of my leg like I used to. But when I asked the doctor was, well, what could I do that would not be negative towards my recovery, but positive to recovery? I heard certain things like this. I'm in a a full brace from my ankle to my hip, and it's a weighty brace. It has some weight to it. And I said, how much can I walk here in this brace? And he said, well, you, you know, you can walk as much as you want. And I'm like, well, that's terrific. And, and so when I came back a couple of weeks later for a visit, he said, how's it going? And I said, well, I'm averaging somewhere between five and 10 miles a day uh, walking in the brace. He said, you're what? I said, I'm averaging five to 10 miles a day walking in the brace. He said, nobody does that. You gotta be kidding me. I said, well, you told me I could do it as much as I want and it would be good. And he goes, well, I didn't, you know, so that, and so we, we hived it back a little bit, right? But, but the point was, I got 168 hours. I used to go and run for X amount of time. Well, I'll just go for a walk. It's just a slower pace, but I'm still out with nature. I'm still letting my brain think about the things I want to think about. And then I got grandkids. I can spend more time with them. I've got, I've got family. I can spend more time with them. I'm in a new personal relationship with a woman. Uh, I can spend time with Karen. All of those things got into the redesign. And I repackaged my week, I repackaged my month, I repackaged my quarter, I repackaged my year. But I certainly am going to do this. I'm certainly going to make sure that what I believe, which is that we are here once only, that my one time in life is going to be spectacular. And I'm going to make sure that that takes place. Oh my gosh, Jack, that is pure gold. Uh, One, I can't wait to read the book when it comes out. But two, for people right now, I mean, that is exactly what they're going through. So many people that actually do set goals had all those goals disrupted. I can't tell you the number of people I've seen posting and talking about the fact that they're redesigning their entire year, not just March, right? Their, their entire year has now changed. And I personally, same thing. I had several huge goals, huge events on the calendar that are now been rescheduled or postponed or canceled altogether because of the epidemic. And so what a great lesson in life that it's not about what we can't control. It's what we can control. And one of those things is our perspective. And I heard you talking a lot about perspective in those last few statements where you know you could have been a victim, you could have had self-pity, you could have wallowed in the fact that, you know, why me? Why did this happen to me and my leg? And you had all those goals set out, but you didn't, you had the right perspective and you reframed, repackaged, redesigned all of that. So maybe give me like two or three things, Jack, that are key principles of how you redesign your life. Yeah, so I leaned down in my office here and I wanted to share with you and show you something. Um, this is uh, this is old school, but it works. This is a old school calendar. It's, you know, month at a glance. And, uh, and every day, I've been doing this since I was 13. Every day, I write down every single thing I did that day that relates to anything that are in my goals. And the uh, pandemic cause the gyms to close. And so, you know, I'm an athlete and that's a place that I hang out, right? But I can tell you in the first quarter, because I have to shift how I get my physical fitness fix, if you will, I got to make sure that I've allocated hours to getting fit. I don't want to be sitting down and losing my fitness that enables me to do all those marathons, 95 marathons I've done in my life. So I don't want to lose the fitness over the leg. I don't want to lose the fitness over the pandemic. So I just shift years, right? So in the first quarter of this year, uh, I put sit-ups on my list, uh, which is not something that I typically do, 
but it's something that I can do anywhere. Like you can't, you know, you can go, I don't need any equipment. I put 13,200 sit-ups as one of the things that I accomplished in the first quarter. And so, you know, absolutely, I'm going to have my one or two glasses of wine with dinner each night. Well, if I'm not out doing my normal activity, I'm going to balloon up. And that ballooning up is something that's not going to be good for me stress-wise. It's not going to be good for my family. It's not going to be good for me. And so I walked into a, a UPS office with a package that needed to get shipped out the other day. And the guy knows me because I do a lot of stuff with UPS. And uh, he looked at me and he said, man, you're really leaning out. And when I got in the car, I sat and reflected on it and said, man, that, that, I wonder how many people during this pandemic are being told, hey, during the process of staying <laughs> home, you're leaning out. And so, so again, it's 168 hours. We get to choose. Yeah. And in the pandemic, interestingly enough, we actually have more discretion over those choice of those 168 hours because, um, because they've ripped away a bunch of stuff. Yeah. I, I can't go to the beach because the beach is closed. You know, I can't go to my favorite restaurants because they've closed the restaurants, right? And they can't go to the gym because they closed the gym. So I now have all of that bonus time. What we want to make sure is that we're leveraging the bonus time in our favor, in our favor as we would design our life. And so, you know, it's heartening for me to go out on my five-mile walk each day and see uh, entire families out taking a walk. And, you know, I've been out there running for a lot of years, and that's not the norm. All I keep saying to myself as I'm doing it is, Gosh, when this is behind us, when this pandemic is behind us, I hope those folks are still out there, right? We get to choose. That's the key. Yeah, Jack, you know, and, and I'm listening to you talk, and it's like you're, you're 71 years old. You have so much gas in the tank. You're a ball of energy all the time. You know, I hope that I'm like you when I'm 71. I'm like that today. Anyone that follows me knows that I'm the same. We're totally. covering very much the similar cloth. But for those people that aren't like that, right, that you, you and I don't need anything to get us revved up, but we're always revved up all the time. But if you're not like that innately, what would you say to those people? I mean, how, how do you get yourself to that movement or momentum when you're just not like that? Yeah, so Karen is the lady in my life right now. And she's not a runner. She took on a 5K once in her life. It was a big accomplishment. She was proud of it, but she couldn't imagine going any further than 3.1 miles. But we started walking together. And in conversation, I would just take her along the journey, right? And we would do a mile. And then we upped it up to two miles. And eventually, we were at three miles. Well, I can tell you in the space, Justin, of like six weeks now, we did 6.2 miles. We did a 10K. And when we finished, I showed her on the, my watch, you know, what we had accomplished. And she, she was like, but I could have gone longer. But mentally, I would have never realized it. And I, I, like, you got me there. And, uh, and I said, yeah, and you know what? We're going to get you to the half marathon level. And then we'll see where we go from there. But how did that happen? That's the question. Well, it's how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time, right? And so you can't take on a 10K right out of the house. You've got to do it in bits and pieces. And so if I can get you to get a mile done at any pace and build your base, I can then take you to a mile and a half or two miles within a week or two because your base is there. And we just get engaged in conversations, talking about books we just read, movies we watched, 
what happened in her business. She runs and owns a big business. What's happening in my travels, what, et cetera, right? And all of a sudden, you're so engaged in your conversation that at the end, you didn't even realize that you were walking, right? But it's building your base. So it's bits and pieces at a time. And it doesn't just apply to the physical side. You know, I keep coming down, coming back with the analogies of, right? If your kids love playing ball at the park, to go once a week with them, you uh, going once a week is a big change maybe. But if you were to go once a week and they're going three times a week, for them to say, hey, can you squeeze another day in and come with us two of the three times we go to the park, going this a second day is going to be easier after going through three or four weeks of going once, right? And so all of a sudden it becomes, you know, our new normal, uh, which we've got a lot of new normals going on right now. Oh, so good, Jack. That's so on par. And, you know, I, I think that anyone can take that away. And it's all about bite-sized chunks and starting small. I had a conversation with my father who just had hip surgery and knee surgery and back surgery. And the poor guys are like just going through it. And, you know, similar to you, he was kind of having that perspective. And I told him, I said, Dad, you just got to start small. Just go in the gym and stand in the gym for four mornings in a row. Don't do anything. Just walk to the gym, stand there, and then turn on and go home. The next day, go stand on the treadmill and then start walking, right? And then just keep building slowly. And he's done that and he's helped him to get back into it. So I think the same, we use physical fitness as a metaphor a lot, but it applies to every single thing in life. Yeah, let, let me transition and just show another example. I'm a professional speaker. I travel the world and I'm very well known. There's a lot of speakers that aspire to be doing what I'm doing at the level that I'm doing it at. And I've written several books and I'll, I'll say to a speaker, you know, you, you should have a book. I mean, your content is really good and you're going to be able to get it out to more people by way of a book. And they'll say, yeah, I've had it on my list for years, but it's just such a big undertaking. Well, if I take one of my books, it's called Hyper Sales Growth. It has 14 chapters and they each run about 15 pages a piece. Well, if I'm going to sit down and say I'm going to write a 250 page book, that sounds really, really big task. But what if I said, could I write 15 pages of a book in a week. Because if I could take 15 pages and write it up in a week, and I've got, you know, 14 chapters in 14 weeks, I got a book done. And 14 weeks is less than four months. On that schedule, I could be turning three books a year out. <laughs> and, you know, and the world isn't ready for authors to deliver three books a year. And so, you know, but that's the deal, right? It's just, taking it and breaking down into small parts, whether it's, whether it's exercise, whether it's books, whether it's your family and time with them, and how are you going to square that away? You know, when I've got three boys at, at seven, eight, and 11, as my grandsons right now, they're going to want to play video games with me just so that they can kick my butt. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and I want to allocate that time to doing that because they're not going to kick my butt out there when we go and play football out in the front yard or whatever else we're going to do. We're going to run around the track. They know the old man is going to take them out. So get them into their room and let's play that game, right? But allocating those times with those guys is treasure, right? Uh, and, and by the way, I know you've got four children. God bless you. You need to be young like yourself because 
at even though I'm in great fitness and shape at 71, and those 11 and seven and eight year olds will take me down and I'll be exhausted in like a half hour. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I mean, Jack, it, it's so good. And it goes back to 168 hours, baby. It's all about that. And how do you want to use your time? And what I've taken away from this conversation, among many things is, you got 168 hours. If you put it on paper, on purpose, you make your plan, you stick with your plan, and then you control your controllables, right? Disruptions are going to happen. Distractions are going to come into your life, but you got to be able to pivot and recenter, refocus and redesign your life and then go back to executing again. Yeah. And even with the uh, severed quad tendon, uh, which was a serious uh, accident, a broken leg is an easier repair job than a severed mm. tendon. I'm in substantial PT and I'm doing about an hour to two hours of PT a day. And I'm getting about five hours a week of professional PT sessions. And what I've done is it's opened me up to an entire new world of exercises that I'm going to retain into my running once I'm fully repaired because they're putting a world of hurt in my glutes and other places on my body that never used to hurt. But now I know that I'm going to be a little bit quicker and a little bit more agile because of what learning experiences I got out of the accident that I wish I hadn't had. But now I've turned it into my positivity. Yeah. It's a whole other lesson on failure right there. That's perfect. So Jack, in our closing comments, is there anything that we didn't get to or maybe a thought that you want to leave our listeners with here today? Yeah, if I had one thing to share with people, I would tell them that this life that we have out there is supposed to be fun. And so if they're not happy in what they do from a working standpoint, it manifests itself over into their family. There's a lot to be done out in the world, a lot of talent that sits within us. And if you're not properly positioned, find a place that you're jacked up that you get up in the morning and you can't wait to go at it rather than I have to work, want to work, that you want to do something. Because when you change that from a have to to a want to, everything else that goes on in that 168 hours of each week is so much more of a fun, smiling, and more pleasant experience. Find your passion, pursue your passion, and watch the lights go off. Oh, man, you've got me jacked up in this conversation. Our listeners are going to be jacked up, too. So, Jack, tell us where my audience can find more about you. Yeah, um, so jackdaily.net, and daily is D-A-L-Y. That's probably the easiest place to go. I do have a phone number at 888-298-6868, and then social media, uh, whether it's Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn, it's uh, I'm all over the place. <laughs> And there's over 300 YouTube videos for free sitting out there of all kinds of tips in life. Yeah, thanks for mentioning that. I was going to mention that as well. And I'll put links to all those in the show notes so people can find those easily. You've got so many resources that you put out for free. And then, of course, all of your great books that you've done as well. I encourage our listeners to, to access more of Jack. And then, as you mentioned, you're a phenomenal speaker. I've seen you speak from the stage. You're incredible the way that you motivate an audience. So you've always got that to hire Jack to come in and, and speak and get your audience all jacked up as well. Well, Jack, thank you so much for being on. I love you, brother. Appreciate all that you're doing. And thank you for this wise wisdom, not only for me, but for my audience. We appreciate you very much. Keep hugging those kids and hug that significant other as well. I'll do it, Jack. Thanks. You too. Take care. You bet. Thanks for listening to the Daddy Saturday podcast. Be sure to subscribe to join me and thousands of other fathers on the journey of raising good kids to become great adults. 
And be sure to check out daddysaturday.com for our latest resources, content, and epic ideas for how you can be a more intentional and engaged father. And we'll see you here on the next episode of the Daddy Saturday Podcast. Thanks for listening.